Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break. Grab your Kofefi and join us. Today is Monday something, July 19th, according to my my Mac. I'm Carter, and with me, as always, is the lovely Hatless. So be prepared. Prepare yourself before I put her on screen. Hatless, Carrie Smith. Hello, Carter. <laughs> How you doing, Carrie? I'm good. How are you? All right. Let's just remind people. Don't forget oh. to. Um, what well, you're going to say something? Go ahead. No. All right. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We're supposed to. We're supposed to come up with a creative ways to tell you to press the like button, like slapping it like an SJW. But we don't believe in the initiation of the use of force, so we shouldn't do that. Uh, no, Carrie's got yeah. one though. Go, Carrie. What is it? Yeah, I don't like that one at all. I would say let's just have a moment <laughs> of silence for the like button. Okay. Moment, moment of silence for the like button. Which is also uh, a, mo a moment of violence. Channel all your <laughs> hatred of Susan and press that like button on her platform. Um, also, we do have uh, some rooms left for the retreat coming up. Not that far away. I think about a month away in August uh, outside of Austin, Texas. So that should be fun. If you want to join us, uh, you basically have run out of time uh, if you don't do it like soon. I don't know when we're taking that stuff off the website, but we're kind of at the at the end here. So if you want to, if you want to join, please go do that. Um, you can go to unsafespace.com. You can find all of our content there. That's a better place to be than YouTube or uh, actually Odyssey is not bad. We're on Odyssey as well, so you can be there. Also, our next book club is August 15th. It's the Anarchist Handbook compiled by Michael Malice, which I don't think I have sitting here. No, but lots of good stuff. Uh, essays by Emma Goldman and Murray Rothbard and all that kind of stuff. And um, what else? Oh, we have uh, not really a sponsor, but we have an affiliate program thing that we're trying out. Some people have used it. You can go to farm match, go to unsafespace.com slash farm and get food uh, from your local farmer directly instead of through a company owned by Jeff Bezos. Um, just, you know, can if you I want to. say that I have started drinking raw milk and uh, if, anybody's, if anybody's a fan of Schitt's Creek that I just watched that I'm late to it that party and there's an episode about raw milk that is really funny but i just started drinking raw milk and i'm never going back to the almond stuff soy stuff ever and my house you were on almond soy stuff well because my husband likes the almond stuff because he said that you know humans are the only animals that drink the milk of other animals but i said but here's the thing humans are also the only animals that have invented a computer and we're so also maybe the best <laughs> so i mean but, but yeah maybe, yeah maybe we are maybe what think of what your dog could do if he drank the milk of a cow <laughs> yeah we, so. we do drink we are the only animals that do that but lots of other animals eat each other so That's this is just this is just a small part of eating each other that we do um so but yeah, our housemate, uh, you know who you've met. She's a, a bodybuilder and fitness coach and, and nutritionist, and she she's my idol for nutrition and fitness. She's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you if you live with her, you know that she personally breaks a lot of her rules. So I won't tell you. Which well, ones. <laughs> she, I think she admits that she's not that bad. Yeah, I was embarrassed to eat human. cake at your wedding in front of her, no. and she was like, "Don't worry about it." And she was eating cake, so it was all right. Yeah, she's human. Um, but she <laughs> basically, you know, she was pointing out that a lot of the the milk alternatives that we were using, she showed us the ingredient sections. Like, look, that's chalk. You're drinking chalk. 
basically, you know, <laughs> right. just like pointing through all the different ones. And anyway, I tried the raw milk. It is yummy. Yeah, it's, it's great. Creamy. Yeah, it's great. You know what else uh, I love about soy is Ayn Rand predicted this. I think it was in Atlas Shrugged, but I forget. I think it was that book where like they had these all these soy crops. And so they started making everything out of soy. And I just <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Just you can tell your husband humans did not evolve. To, to grow massive amounts of soy and purify it into milk or almonds. Like, if you want to get back to, to the natural animalness of humans, I can respect that, but you basically have to cut out all agriculture and run around picking some berries and eating meat, which I'm cool with. If that's what you want to do, embrace it, man. You do it. <laughs> anyway, go to unsafespace.com slash farm, and we'll get a tiny bit of money if you buy raw milk from your local farmer. Okay. <laughs> that's the end of my I'm we're, I am so good at advertising just keep that in mind if you're an advertiser with deep pockets think this could have been your product that we just completely <laughs> bungled <laughs> somebody did a puke emoji they don't want milk uh, I kind of milk's not everybody's bag anyway somebody said cats like, like milk yeah that's why cats are so evolved <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know that I, I don't want to compare us to cats, though. <laughs> um, okay, so I sent you a couple things that I wanted to talk about today, if possible. And By me, you mean Beverly, <clears throat> right? Beverly. Okay. Yeah, the first, the first one is, this is just a great example. Let's put up that tweet from from the blue checkmark guy. This is just a good example of uh, what we've talked about before is... It, I wrote an essay about this. It's been a while. And it's amazing to me that it still happens, of course, and it's happening more frequently even, and that people let this happen. This guy's like, uh, what's his name? John Palovitz. Read that tweet, Carter. <laughs> Demanding that we reopen America. I don't even like that phrase, but okay. Demanding that we reopen America and being violently anti-vaccine are incompatible positions. Okay, what is violently anti-vaccine? He means emphatically. He has a poor vocabulary because he's a blue check market. No. What is he like a New York Times no. writer or something? No, I disagree. It's he doesn't mean something else. And well, no, I mean if he were honest, say. he would mean emphatically. He's saying right. violently because he wants. Yeah, he's saying violently on purpose. They have started using that word violently all the time. They use harm all the time. This is like the American Booksellers Association the other day. We didn't talk about this. On Kefefe, but we I briefly mentioned it in an interview that we did with um, Coach Linda Blade and Barbara Kay that's going to be coming out this week uh, or next week. Uh, that that was the American Booksellers Association. They tweeted out an apology to everyone saying, we're so sorry. We sent out uh, this book that was transphobic and in this violent, they called it a violent incident. We should put that one up too. <laughs> and those words are those words are specific. Like Beverly, if you have time, find the the American Book Association uh, tweet about being a violent incident. Here's that, what they're doing. That was for the Abigail Schreier book, you said. Yes, we found out they didn't mention the book because they didn't want you to be able to form your own opinion about it, of course. But that was the book they were talking about. And the thing is, they're they've been purposefully doing this with that word for a while. Uh, it started like all of this ideology. It started on college campuses. I saw it happening. Uh, you know, outside of the mainstream, just on the college campuses 
three, four years ago, we were seeing different college groups, um, in some cases, the administration issuing letters of apology, issuing statements in which they would talk about harm and violence. And, and what they're actually talking about is not violent and arguably not harmful, depending on how you define that term. But they're trying to conflate violence with having a difference of opinion with words. That's why you also see silence I mean, and violence. This so has that, been going on for a long time, yes, now, right? This is a yes, long, long but time. It's, but it's now it's like escalate. Now I see it mm -hmm. everywhere. It They're all doing yeah. it. He said, violent anti-vaxxers. Well, what else does that do? If you are basically saying these people are violent, why? Because they have a different opinion than me and they don't they don't want to get a medical procedure that I got. They're violent. Well, what do we justify self what is self-defense? Self-defense is when you're justified in using physical force against someone who's using it against you. So they're trying to psychologically get us to think it's okay. It's okay to be violent to people who disagree with us because their opinions are violence. Do you see that trick? Like, I mean, I know you do. Oh, I see it. I, I think Carrie's yeah. coming around to anarchy soon, guys. This is my, she's, I'm going to pull her <laughs> over to anarchy. The government anarchy. is by definition a monopoly on the use of force. Therefore, in order to make themselves uh, in order to justify themselves morally, what they do is they accuse everything that's not what they want as being violence. They conflate violence with anything that goes against the agenda of the state. And so, therefore, their violence isn't the initiation force, it's the retaliatory force, right? Yes. So, um, they did this with drugs. They did drugs were violent, therefore we need the war on drugs. Um, they, they do it with everything. Uh, and now... Because the the craziest of the lefties have gotten in control. Now it's like you said, my favorite Halloween costume that anyone has ever worn, ever, is your costume where you had a shirt and the front side said <laughs> silence and violence and the back said your words are violence or maybe it was reverse of that. <laughs> like, that's the world that we're in. It's all violence. Therefore, uh, they're coming for you. Therefore, we can be violent against you. Yeah, they're building the groundwork for that. And they're and they're getting bolder with it. So I just sent you two images, Beverly, of that American Booksellers Association uh, tweet that I was talking about. And on the same day that that came out, I want you to look at it juxtaposed with this other tweet, uh, another headline, and that one was about. Uh, well, let's let's put the let's put the bookseller one up first. By the way, while we're waiting, Andrew Joyner says oat milk is the best. And Andrew, I love you, but you're totally wrong. I actually, out of all the fake milks, <laughs> oat milk was my favorite. I will agree. Mm. Right. But I, that's like saying out of all the poison, this one is the, the least <laughs> poisonous. Uh. I don't know. Okay. So look at this. Anybody that's just listening along, this is a tweet of a statement uh, from the American Booksellers Association. And it says an anti-trans book. Now, first of all. That is a lie. The book is not anti-trans. They, they just tell you what to think about things. An anti-trans book was included in our July mailer to members. This is a serious, violent incident, <laughs> right? That goes against ABA's end policy. Uh, isn't that crazy, Carter? That goes against our end policies, values, and everything we believe in support. It is inexcusable. We apologize to our trans members and to the trans community for this terrible 
terrible incident and the pain, the pain we have caused them. We also apologize to the LGBTQIA plus community at large. Uh, there's not a number two in there. I'm kind of pissed off, but okay. <laughs> and to our book selling community, apologies mm. are not enough. We've begun addressing this today and are committed to engaging in the critical dialogue, that's an Orwellian phrase, needed to inform concrete steps to address the harm, there's that word harm again, that we caused. Those steps will be shared in the next three weeks. This is a struggle session statement of guilt, isn't it? I agree. Apologies are not enough, and the American Booksellers Association should right now disband. Disband yourselves, shut down. Go home. Stop taking paychecks. Shut down your company or your association right now. Stop. You're right. Apologies aren't enough. This is beyond the pale. I can't believe you did this. Go home. If you really mean this, go home. Fire yourself. Well, then the same day that I saw this, this was, this was like five days ago on the 14th. Same day I saw this. Or I think I saw it on the 15th. The next, the next image, Beverly. This was another headline the same day. So sending out a book was violent. Then there was this. I don't know if Carter saw this. It's not sending out a book also violent? Oh, Read this oh yeah, I that. saw this. Oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> you read it, Carrie, for the audience, for the audio okay, audience. This is a New York Post tweet uh, and headline. It says, it's a picture of a shark. <laughs> and it says, shark advocates call for rebranding violent attacks as, quote, interactions <laughs> <laughs> mostly just, peaceful interactions maybe i don't know right i mean it's only violent if after the shark bites you he gives you a copy of abigail schreier's book then it's violent it's like <laughs> 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 well he got my leg but he didn't use the wrong pronoun so it's just an interaction the shark took my leg in a non-violent <laughs> incident but then he yeah. gave me Abigail Schreier's book. <laughs> Damn just, shark. I just, uh, you have to laugh at this stuff, guys, because it is, I, I, I know there's good people in the chat. I'm not looking at the chat yet, but I know there's going to be people <laughs> saying this stuff isn't funny. I know it's very serious. It is, we are getting to a very crazy place, a dystopian place. It has to be funny or else you just, you have to laugh at yeah. it. Yeah. You have to laugh at it because you can't survive in this kind of upside down world without humor. You have to be able to laugh at the dark parts. Take the dark things and turn them into something light and funny. So. <laughs> I was. Uh, so on Friday, we one of the people in the conversation was Sunny Loman, and she and I were had a conversation after um, over email. And she she pointed me to an interview that um, Lex Fridman, I guess is how you say his name. I've never watched him uh, okay. did with Michael Malice. Um, and which was interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, but one of the things they talked about was, uh, it was, I was the only time I've seen Michael Malice cry. Uh, they talked about how we sometimes, we forget often how really, really bad things were for people in history and at other times in history. And like, they were specifically talking about um, the, the Germans on their way to invade the Ukraine and being told by the Soviets, like they're on their way, they're here to kill you. And it, it wasn't like they might kill you like, hey Jews here, like they're 
if they get here, which they did, they will kill you and your family. And and the only thing standing between that and um, you is is the Soviet army. Yeah. Um, and the the reason I'm the reason I'm bringing it up is, you know, we we. I think one of the things that happens is we get so comfortable that we we forget how valuable what we have is, even though we're in a weird upside down world where shark attacks or interactions and sending a book is violent. <laughs> and like, even though that's the case, the biggest threat that we've got is what? Like, you know, your friend getting his gig canceled. Okay, that sucked. Getting yelled at on Twitter. Um, have a mob come after you on Twitter. Like, all this stuff yeah. pales in comparison to where we could be. And we will yeah. be if we don't fight this yeah. stuff, because this stuff does lead to that. But we're still at a phase where you can fight and not face a firing squad. <laughs> like, you can yeah. fight and not get thrown into jail. You can still fight this stuff ideologically. And the worst that you get is some uncomfortable, possibly financially painful ostracism. That's what you'll right. get. You know what you make me think of this morning? I was I was sharing this about. We're on the same wavelength today, Carter. I um, I'm going to give you a Christian a Christian thing that happened that's related to what. How you're dare you about. give me a Christian thing? I reject <laughs> the Christian thing. <laughs> so on right, th on Thursday, I went to a couple's Bible study. It was our first one that we went to, and one of the other women there, we were, we were talking about something that she was talking about, you know, trials and tribulations that we all go through. And she said, my grandma used to tell me when I was a kid, you know, what about like, I can't remember how she phrased it. Like, what about what Jesus went through? You know, quit feeling sorry for yourself. And, <laughs> and she said it with love about her grandma, right? Like you can tell. And the, the point of her sharing that, and she shared more was just that um, from a Christian perspective, one of the things I like about Christianity is that it keeps you from wallowing too much in whatever trials, particular trials you may be going through. Not that you shouldn't be, not that it, not that it's not hard or wrong or unfair or a struggle or whatever it is that you're going through. Um, but it, but it, it gives you something else to elevate above yourself so that you can put things in perspective and not stay there. And I think a lot of our culture has gotten to this place of um, absolute, over-the-top, complete validation of everyone's pain and harm, you know, and, and their emotion um, to the point where some people who, the kinds of people who have trouble getting past that stuff anyway, they're encouraged to like stay there and make a home there and make that their identity and sort of be in this like, woe is me place all the time. And so even to hear that kind of tough love from a grandma being like, you know, think about what Jesus went through. Like, it, it, it puts some people off. They're like, actually somebody on Twitter, I, I was sharing this anecdote and somebody was like, you know, dismissing a child's pain is, you know, I'm like, look, come on. She's, this is an adult woman talking about this in a loving way about her grandma who clearly was very loving. And it's just, it doesn't mean dismiss the pain. It just means help people not live there. And what you're talking about, I think is similar where we think about whatever trials we might go through today for speaking up or for, for walking through whatever fear we have. 
and saying something and speaking the truth and whether you're afraid of a particular bully or a bullying ideology, like in the big scheme of things, there's so much, so much worse that humans have been through. That helps me. Recently. Recently even. And even today that people go through. And still are. Yes. Like go visit North Korea, right? Like there are people suffering much worse and yeah. you know if if our biggest problems are a mean tweet or you know or even getting fired you know what um it's worth it right. i think it's worth it um, well and it's you know also, that, it's also i just want like, to say the dismissing pain thing can i just begin an analogy yeah, to yeah. that uh <clears throat> let's say you have you get an infection on your leg and you go to the doctor, right? And the doctor, do you want a doctor who's like, well, this looks like a leg infection. So we're gonna have to cut it open and drain it and then give you some drugs and deal with it. And there's gonna be some pain associated with fixing this, right? Because that's that's part of what happens, right? We've gotta, there's gonna be some pain, but we gotta get through the pain to fix the problem so that you don't suffer in the long term and potentially die because if you let an infection go, it can spread. It's like we have a bunch of people now who are yelling at that doctor saying, stop dismissing my pain. It's like, well, he's not dismissing your pain. He's acknowledging that you're in pain and it needs to be solved or else your pain is going to continue and get worse and worse and worse and destroy you. Do you want your pain to be destroyed or destroy you? Or do you want to have someone confront you with your pain and say, look, I know you're suffering. We need to focus on how to stop your suffering. We need to focus on how you can heal and get better. Rather than putting your suffering in your Twitter bio and wallowing in it, which will ultimately cause you way more pain in the long run, we need to figure out a way to help you heal. And it might be painful to help you heal. It might actually be an unpleasant experience to confront whatever it is that's causing you pain, but we need to do it because in the long run, it's the more loving, caring thing to do for you. That's all. You're muted. I thought you were just being very quiet, which surprised me. What? I say, look, I say this because it's something I need to be reminded of. I'm not, I don't escape this reminder. I needed to hear that woman that night say, you know, what about what Jesus went through? <laughs> to be like, oh, yeah, kind of... I kind of like whining about it, 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 again, it doesn't, it's not invalidating. It just, it helps the person hearing it. It helped me to hear it. And it reminded me of one of my favorite poems. It's been one of my favorite poems for years now. Um, D.H. Lawrence. And I shared it. Do you know this one? I never saw a wild thing. I never saw a wild thing. Sorry for itself. A small bird will drop frozen dead from a bow without ever having felt sorry for itself. I love that poem. <laughs> it just, it just makes me, it just makes you, I don't know. It just puts things in perspective. It's like, yes, all of these things may have happened to you or you may go have gone through things in your childhood that you're still reconciling, but those aren't your identity. That's not who you are. For a long time, my identity was falsely wrapped up in things that had happened to me as a child that kind of arrests you and fixes you there. So you can't move past those things. And, and it keeps you in a place of like wallowing and, and 
re-traumatizing yourself over all that stuff, you know? So that's all it means anyway. Yeah. I, I, I like that we're in the same headspace today though. Yeah, no, totally. I feel like I interrupted though. You were going down another thing and I stopped talking about Oh yeah, about well that was good to talk about that. The, okay. I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, the other thing I was going to talk about, well, yeah, we started with the blue check mark who's, who said that people, people are violently anti-vaccine, whatever that means. I haven't right. seen any marauding band of anti-vaxxers out in the street. Can I tell you what it looks like? A violent <laughs> anti-vaxxer means they're pointing a gun at your face, forbidding you from injecting the vaccine. Right. That is what, that's the DEA. Someone who's violently preventing you from taking something and putting it into your own body. That's not the anti-vax. That's not the the anti-vax community. They're not violent. They're not. They're violent. not violent. <laughs> but you will not take it, and also you're not going to get the uh, what's the other one, the HPV either, and uh, no. chickenpox. Not going to let you have any of it. You know, with the gun. Right. Like, you can't. What? You can't take any vaccines. That's a violent anti-vaxer. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't know any of those. I haven't heard about any of them. Me neither. But, um, so we started with the guy talking about the violent, violent anti-vaxxers, which is, again, part of this propaganda, not only to change the meaning of words like violence so that they can be actually be violent towards people they don't agree with. That's part of what's happening there. But the other thing that's happening is it's just part of the overall pro propaganda that we've been seeing. I'm, I don't want to get this uh, video taken down today. So let me just let me just bring up this New York Times article. <laughs> um Here's a New York Times article that is about one of my heroes, Miss Dolly Parton, and also about propaganda. <laughs> and it can't be true because it's about her failure. Uh, and we no, all know just... that Dolly doesn't fail, right, Carrie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this headline, by the way. Well, Dolly Parton tried, but Tennessee is squandering a miracle. What is that? Uh, what are they referring to? What is that? So what they're referring to is Dolly is, she's the well-known, like she, a philanthropist. She donates a lot of money to hospitals, to medical research. Um, she actually donated a lot of her own money towards developing one of the, one of the COVID vaccines. I forget which one. And she did a couple of the propaganda pieces. She did a PSA where she sang, she rewrote, um, now I love Dolly and she can do whatever she wants to. It's her song. But she did do a really <laughs> terrible rewrite of Jolene called Vaccine Vaccine. <laughs> Instead of Jolene Jolene. Vaccine Vaccine. <laughs> so uh, that was sad. But anyway, so she did her part to try and get people to take it. And then this is a piece about how not enough people have taken it and apparently that means Didn't work. that other people are uh, harmed we're all we're all uh, I, anyway look can you read can you read this since it's new to you I'd like for you to read some of it I'm sorry yeah. I just saw the rewrite to the Jolene lyrics uh, <laughs> when Dolly Parton received her first dose of the Moderna vaccine at Vanderbilt University where her million dollar donation helped to fund the research she sang an updated version of her iconic song Jolene the tongue-in-cheek lyrics were meant to inspire people to get vaccinated. I, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I'll, Do you want to sing, sing it, it, Carrie? Wait. Oh, gosh. Let me see. I, gotta, I can't. 
enhance, enhance, I can barely read that, enlarge, vaccine. <laughs> Thanks, Beverly. <laughs> enhance. Ah, dolly. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. <laughs> it's terrible. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Cause once you're dead, then it's a bit too late. <laughs> I can't sing, guys, just so you know. But I enjoy well, it. Better than I could have done. And uh, um, <laughs> I think it communicates the essence uh, of the song. It <laughs> was communicated. Jolene is such a great song. It, 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 this is It's funny because, it, yeah, somebody says it rhymes. It does. It's funny. Somebody said they're muting me. <laughs> <laughs> she's done it's okay i, d- I don't blame uh, you okay good it's not her fault the lyrics are horrible <laughs> um she gave it a good try a heroic try but somehow the bonehead politicians running the state managed to overcome even the good will generated by its favorite daughter those bonehead politicians remember how hopeful we were this year when the new covid 19 vaccines arrived so astonishingly quickly and we're so astonishingly effective and safe as a nation, politically, institutionally, too often personally, we botched almost everything about this pandemic. And we did not deserve a miracle. The miracle arrived anyway. I Do I have to wait, keep wait. reading this? Yes, or? because because okay. listen to how this is written. This is the New York effing Times. She's like, remember how hopeful we all were? when, when the, It's like, no, you're describing something I don't, I don't, that. I don't recall, but okay. Oh, and then she yes. also says, remember how they arrived and they were so astonishingly effective and safe? No, I don't. I don't remember We were that. giddy about the prospect of those vaccines. I mean, this is a, it's like someone writing from a country that I've never visited. We could not stop talking about how happy we would sit, we would be to sit in a movie theater again, to hear live music again, to go to church and sing out loud again, to sit and talk around a table again, late into the night with no care for how long we had been breathing the same air. This is just a, what this, what this is, is an NPC who swallowed everything, every piece of propaganda from mainstream media and and bought it hook, line, and sinker, and was completely convinced. And now is, yeah, that that this is their this is what it feels like to be an NPC. This this was their experience. <laughs> we would reach for new babies and lean down to smell their downy heads. We would weep with the joy of being skin to skin with new life. New life after such a long dark year. Ah, uh, this is like propaganda. It's not just like propaganda. It, 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 is, it is propaganda. <laughs> the anticipation of ha- Do you remember when Mao marched into Beijing or Peking and we were so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't remember being excited about that. Uh, the anticipation of happiness seemed truly ecumenical. Well, in that sense, I mean, it, it was religious. Liberals, conservatives, politically indifferent people, all the people I knew <laughs> were watching. You don't know any conservatives. Uh, all the people I knew were watching for their vaccine priority number to come up. We were what? signing up for leftover doses that might be available at the end of the day. What, what? world is who? We okay. We live well, in I mean, different worlds. We live in different worlds. Okay. Yeah. Do we need to and keep then, doing this? Yeah. Please? Then we were heading out of town to get vaccinated in rural counties where health officials were moving more quickly through the vaccine priority rankings. The lack of vaccine lines should have told us something was happening in those counties. Something dark. I mean, I, I'm added something dark, but that's the way she says it. Something besides the fact that fewer people lived there. Now scroll down just a little. 
This is where she gets into what's wrong with Tennessee. Tennessee's governor, Bill Lee, understood what was going on. Mr. Lee is vaccinated, but he refused to be photographed getting the shot. The COVID shot, that is. He did post a photo of himself getting a flu shot last November. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, none of this was surprising. Mr. Lee is, scroll down, Mr. Lee is not a leader who actually leads so much as a politician who reads the room. Isn't that all politicians? I don't I, want a leader also. I, there's something psychologically effed up for people who want yeah. a leader, but that's a separate issue. Now look at this part. Here, it get, here she gets racial. Here she tries to bring race into it. From the beginning, white people in rural Tennessee have been so skeptical of this vaccine that last month state officials returned an allotment of 3 million doses to the federal stockpile. We're sort of grinding to a halt, the state's health commissioner, Dr. Lisa Piercy, told News Channel 5 in Nashville. The people who want it have gotten it. And then if, if you scroll down just one more paragraph, I just want to read the stats on it. The trouble is, she says, the trouble is that not enough people want it. So that's the trouble if what you want is for everyone to take this right now, right? Uh, particularly here in the South, which accounts for eight of the 10 states with the lowest vaccination rates and infections have begun to climb. The rate of daily coronavirus infections in Tennessee has more than tripled in the past three weeks. One of the largest increases in the entire nation as the virus shows signs of renewed spread, wrote wrote the Tennesseans, uh, I, that word I always scrub, indefatigable, indefati indefatigably. And no, that's not how you say that. It means I don't know. Well, I can't see the word. I'm just guessing uh, based on what you're saying. Where is the word? Oh, yeah. Indefatigable. That's how you pronounce that? It means that's that how I pronounce it. I don't it know. Means, it means tireless. Health right. reporter Brett Kelman last week. The state's average test positivity rate and count of active infections also climbed. Okay, so what they're saying is in Tennessee, only scroll down a little bit, Beverly. I think it's 40% have gotten it. I have to go a little further. Uh, it's under 50%. And so they're viewing this as a huge failure. And yeah, there we go. Uh, campaign funding. I'm afraid for my state. They're talking about Tennessee. 43%. Okay, 43% have gotten it. And she's talking about how people are going out and they're, people are hugging one another and kissing babies again. As if that's a horrible thing because in her mind, it's, you know, the vaccine is, you, can, you shouldn't be doing any of that without the vaccine. And again, keep in mind, this is a vaccine that for a virus that has an over 99% survival rate, even in this article, when she's talking about the numbers climbing in Tennessee, did you notice, Carter, she didn't say the COVID death rate. She said nothing about the death rate. She said infection rate. Why? Because the death rate is not scary anymore to people. And they're trying to scare you. So, And it, they have to say something's climbing. Okay, then let's say infection rate. And let's not talk about how you know we get those positive tests. Anyway, I, I don't want to get this banned. Sorry. That's no, I, it's not that it's not. I mean, I'm not worried about getting it banned. We're just reading a New York Times article. Um, look, I mean, if if uh, if this is how you feel about the people in rural Tennessee, then be happy they're going to die off from your deadly virus that you're worried about. Like, OK, they're going to get it. They'll die. You should be happy. They will not continue to exist. And like I, I don't get. My my parents didn't give me when I was a kid. They didn't give me the polio vaccine and the mumps vaccine because they were altruistically trying to do good for the world. They did yeah. it because they didn't want me to get polio and mumps. 
Like, that's why they did it. Those were the reasons. They were selfish reasons. That's why people get vaccines. Because they protect them. That's the reason to do it. So if this works, like we're being told it does, and if it protects, what's the problem? If people don't want to protect themselves, let them not protect themselves. You know? I mean, but it's... Yeah, it's uh, there's something creepy with it where, as we've talked about before, there's something creepy with it. It's not like... It's not like other vaccines. It's they want everyone to take it. They're coming hardcore. They're getting pop stars. They're getting country stars to to push it, and it's on every social media platform. Do you do you want the like every time I post this video, it, you know anything we say about it? First of all, you risk your videos or your posts being taken down, demonetized right. for sure, um, getting strikes, and it, and. Also, all of that censorship is happening on the one hand. And then on the other hand, there's all these incentives to take it. Like it's, it's over the top in a way that, in a way that should make you skeptical. If you're a conscious adult, it should make you wonder why, but. Yeah, but that premise is incorrect. Most people are not conscious adults. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That's something, that's something I learned this year. That's something sad that I learned this year. I guess I had a higher, I had a higher uh, estimation of what, of, of what percentage of the population was awake. So here's why I'm 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 white pill and not a cynic, even though those things are true. I I need to explain this because I feel like I always get accused of being cynical when I say things like this. And like, look, look at the Ash Conformity experiment. Look at the Milgram okay. experiment. Large percent of the population sucks. They won't stand up against anything. They will just be conformists. They like they're not thinking like they do, in fact, suck. A large percentage suck. That is true. The silver lining for me comes from I mean, in that way, they suck. They may have other good qualities, but like they, they suck in terms of like, are they going to be around to preserve your freedom in any way? No, they're not going to fight to preserve your freedom. They're just not. They don't live consciously. They're going to conform. Even if they know it's the wrong answer, they're going to shoot the person they're told to shoot. Like a large percentage of people are going to behave that way. That is a hard pill to swallow. The flip side is, and the good thing is, they mostly don't matter. A very small percentage of the people control the culture and push and, and push humanity forward. And if the same percentage, if, if those people are the percentage that say no to the ash conformity like if that's the small they're the 25 percent of people who don't agree on the ash conformity experiment and they're the small percentage of people in the milgram study who don't shock the person if those are the people who push culture we'll all be better off it'll all be great we just need the right people pushing culture forward and 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 i that might sound elitist i don't care we need the people who would say no that's not the right answer, Ash Conformity people. I'm going to stand up and do this, which is why I have respect for even people that I, like, historically that I would disagree with who stood against the grain and said, no, like, I'm standing up against this, um, you know, which is why, I like, I don't like a lot of Noam Chomsky's politics, right? But I admire Noam Chomsky because he's, like, he says the thing that's uncomfortable that no one wants to hear, right? Yeah. And... He doesn't just go along. And, you know, I, yes, maybe I disagree with him about a bunch of stuff. But it's that kind of mentality that we need. And there are enough people. I mean, look, 25% in the Ash Conformity studies. That's not negligible, right? <laughs> I mean, that's 
you know, not what, 75 million people in the U.S., roughly yeah. somewhere around there. That's a lot of people who would say no. If if those people, um, if those people control the culture, if those people push the culture, we'll have a better culture. And the and the conformists, they'll conform to a good culture. Fine. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, I know that to some people it might sound elitist, like you said, but it's, it's the truth of what, like, if you look at, at history, it's the truth is that, and I yeah. never knew, I never knew this. And it's one of the silver linings of this year. I learned a lot of things. There's a Zuby post going around about all the things he learned during the year of the lockdowns. And I learned a lot of those same things. I think a lot of us did. One of those things is, you know, this is the year I learned about the Ash conformity experiments and was able to see that pattern throughout history of how most people, maybe 75% are followers. Yeah. And so, and so if you have that 25% and, and 25%, I think it's maybe high, it might even be smaller than that. Of, but if you have that percentage that are not followers who are, you need the right ones out of that group setting the culture because the followers will come. That's why fighting back in this culture war in whatever way you can, you know, speaking up, whether you know you could do a podcast you don't have to do a podcast you could just speak up with your friends and family but all these different ways that people are pushing back you know whether it's from the comic book guys like nerdrotic and and hill versus babyface or um you know the video game people or the knitters um who all of this pushback is necessary because it's it's not about politics we've said this before our show is not a political show we talk about politics sometimes necessarily but it's a culture show this is a cultural battle. So we're trying to like get the culture back to a place that that supports and and elevates things like individualism and equality under the law and treating people on the content, you know, based on the content of their character, like Martin Luther King talked about, rather than treating them differently based on what racial group they're in or what sex they are and, and you know, all of this identity politics based group fighting kind of Marxism. Um, anyway, I'm rambling now. Most of our audience knows this. I'm just also aware that we have new people all the time. And like, just in case you're new here, <laughs> we're not a political show. You know, BS in chat just said, how do we fight censorship by YouTube and Facebook? You go somewhere else. You go to unsafespace.com for, in our case, if you want to be part of the community and you do, and you're not sure we're going to last, which we probably won't on YouTube. You don't, you go, you go there, you watch on Odyssey, you make sure that you have alternate means. I mean, we're not to the point, we're not China yet. We're not to the point where the government turns off unsafespace.com. Like, yeah, we are to the point where Amazon web services might yank something out from under you or whatever. Like, yeah, we have reached that point, but it's not impossible to speak your mind and to put it up online in a way that people can find it. It's just right. inconvenient. It's it's inconvenient, but, maybe. But let me be clear about that, because then they'll say, well, why are you still on YouTube? I mean, the thing is, I don't think everybody has to leave today and go to Odyssey. I'll I'll be a person saying that. I appreciate people here in the YouTube chat, and we're, we're going to stay on YouTube until the wheels fall off, because that's how we reach a greater audience and find yeah. more like-minded people. But the point is, have those other platforms ready. We have our videos up on these other places. And for the people that don't want to support YouTube or these big these big censorious like behemoths. I understand. I have friends like that. We have viewers like that who don't want to support them at all. So they're already on Odyssey. They're already in these other places. They're not even watching us on YouTube. We're live right streaming now. on Odyssey right now. Right. We can we do are both. On Odyssey, yeah. 
But in the meantime, I've said this before about like Twitter and Facebook, you know, I completely get and understand the people who are like, I'm done. I'm leaving now. Uh, I think it's a personal choice. My choice is if I go just to parlor, for example, and just post things there, I'm speaking to people who for the most part, probably already agree with and can see some of these same problems that I see when I'm in these, uh, in the public square of these big behemoths, it still gets in front of people who have the ideology I used to have. And I hear from people all the time who are just now waking up, who are just now leaving that ideology. We've talked about this before, but two of my, two of my good friends now in real life who I've met in real life, they woke up in the past year. One of them was hate watching our show. She started off probably was one of the thumbs down trollers and you know who you are if you're watching today and now she's just a su- subscriber <laughs> and now she's a con- financial contributor that's how you can you know why because because i was on a mainstream platform and i'm gonna stay there and i'm also gonna have alternative accounts until the day they force me off i'm not giving them the satisfaction of leaving that's just me i get the people who do i, I completely get it but i'm gonna be there where the people I'm trying to convert where they are. And then they'll have to force me out of the room. I'm not going to go willingly, you know, so. Right. And personally, your choice personally is different. Like unsafe spaces, we're trying to build a thing. So we need to be as many places as we possibly can until we get kicked off. We got kicked off of Twitter. So we're not there. Um, But personally, I don't, I don't, I mean, I have a Facebook account. Anyone, who's ever on Facebook and is a friend of mine on Facebook will notice I'm not really ever there. <laughs> uh, I'm usually like, I've been on Twitter a little bit more lately, but like, I don't use them personally very much, but, um, but we do front safe space. Okay. <sighs> Maybe we should do some super chats before. By the way, I went over to Odyssey to see if anyone was watching. I don't think, I don't know if people are, I think it's live streaming on Odyssey right now. I can't tell if you're on Odyssey, give me a, chat shout out we'll I know people right. like that that one they like that platform uh, um, what i like about odyssey i'll be very just upfront about it uh the founder is um completely free speech like the founder is totally pro free speech um likes us uh, he was at Porkfest on on a panel with me like He's a good guy. And he built the platform that he's not allowed to send. Like, they can't actually delete videos. <laughs> so they they can't stop us. They could, like, Odyssey itself could not feature it anymore. But, like, it's on the blockchain. The videos are there. We can just, like, it's there. You can't get rid of. Anyone can I build the front end. I was just about to say, is it like Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah. It's on the blockchain. You can't get rid of us. So That's it's kind of beautiful. Um, yeah. So... And people are saying they're on Odyssey. Cool. We do have people watching. Uh, someone just jumped over from YouTube. Real Raven. Constock. BS just jumped over from YouTube. <laughs> Debesh Chowdhury. I don't think I can say that properly. Sorry. On Odyssey. Yeah. So we got some people on Odyssey. Cool. Um, I'll try and pay attention to Odyssey chats too now. I'll put them both I'm going to read a couple of these quickly so we can get through them. John yeah. Pag... Pagdaleo. Oh, hello, John. I saw you last night. I was hanging out in Josh Slocum's chat. It was the uh, 
uh, disaffected podcast chat, and I saw John there. Um, he gives five bucks and says, well, this super straight amosexual transvaxite will follow <laughs> the two of you wherever I need to. Hail Carrie, hail Carter. You are hilarious, sir. He's an amosexual transvaxite, just FYI. Matt Deckard, <laughs> thank you. 499 says, I thumbs down this video just in case the government is watching. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Deckard makes yeah, me laugh probably a smart, lot. Matt. I tweeted something about uh, the vaccine earlier, and he's he was like, vaccine for what? What did I miss? <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Adam Coleman. Hello, Adam. Adam gives $5 and says, the complete lack of appreciation for the freedoms you have is the cancer of the West. How quickly we forget the commonality of terror in this world. Yes. Yeah, but and, and I think that's related, by the way, Adam, it's related to what we talked about on Friday a little bit when when I mentioned like hardships and kids and like, how do you how do you raise a kid that has appreciation for um, the abundance that we live through today? But it's the same thing for society generally, right? Like, how do you how do you remind people that your great great grandparents lived in abject poverty compared yeah. to today? Like, it's, it's not and and actually this is a thing that the left forgets always also they look around and they see the all the ills of society and they're like well look what capitalism did and it's like dude <laughs> like i'm sorry but starving and dying is the natural state for humans and has been for like our entire yeah. existence starving and miserable is what we are normally this is abnormal this is this not is normal abnormal <laughs> Yeah, I had um, the the other day. So, you know, we bought this really old house and Carter saw it, got married there. And it's it was built in 1914. OK, I say really old, but I know we have friends like April Rose. She works in Salem and she's like the buildings here were built in the you know 1600s or what have you. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I just <laughs> it's just that it's old for Texas. It's old for Texas. And we have to do a lot of things to fix this house up anyway. This one of the contractors, one of my friends, uh, was over the other day, the fence guy, and he was talking about his his just how old this was and how it reminded him of how like his grandma's house. And he was saying, you know, what you're saying, we just take so much for granted. And you know, he's like, that my grandma, they didn't have uh, running water in the house. They had an outhouse. Whenever they took a bath, they had to haul water into the tub, heat it all up, and then heat it up, haul it into the tub, and then they would take a bath in order. And my grandma did this too. My grandma told me about this. That's why they called it throwing, you know, throwing it out with the, uh, what was it? Throwing the baby, baby out with the bath, bath water. water. Mm -hmm. Yes, because they would go in order. Like first the dad would take a bath and then the mom and then the kids in order of age down to the baby. And then after the baby, they'd wash the clothes in it and then they'd dump the bath water out. <laughs> and we, and we want to complain about like, like you said, you know, uh, Things that today would probably be considered sometimes just minor inconveniences in comparison. Not always. I mean, I know everybody's going through, a lot of people I know have been going through hardships the past year, but it just helps put it in perspective. At least in the midst of all those hardships, you know, you have air conditioning, hopefully, and you're, when you turn the faucet on, your water comes out, right? Like You have uh, Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Netflix. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. You want to do some more super chats or yeah, Christopher there's, there's Corey, more 
Hey, I'm going to read these. I'm reading some out of order. I know Christopher Gorey gives us $4.99 and says, Carrie, Dr. Zelenko's interview was incredible. He is a hero in my book. Yes. I shared this interview yesterday. Um, no, my friend Noah shared it with me. If you haven't seen it, it just came out this month. Dr. Zelenko is the medical doctor who came up with the, um, the cocktail of a couple different things for, was, did he did he, come, did he do with the yeah, okay. and zinc and yeah and he did that guy he was that guy okay yeah so he's been censored from twitter but this doctor gave an interview where he talked he just told you his experiences and his what happened with this and, and the interview is great and it's on vimeo uh i shared the link on my twitter if you haven't seen it yet i'll 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 retweet tweet it since we don't have an unsafe space twitter anymore and and uh, I would definitely definitely say watch it now before it gets taken down, Doctor Zelenko. All right, um, let's. I'm gonna back up. Okay, Alabama Toolbox says trans women hold up half the sky. <laughs> Mount Sedong. <laughs> I saw that earlier. I, I saw that earlier, but you were saying something. Uh, really sad and then i saw so that you couldn't do, yeah. i always started laughing and i was like pay attention focus <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts says so my dad was forced to get the vaccine last weekend he's been unemployed since the shutdown and has just recently been told that his company will only call back workers who've been vaccinated yeah i mean that's that's why culture matters more than the rules right i mean you can certainly create an environment where the government doesn't force anyone to do anything but um, you're effectively locked out of society if you don't comply, right? Um, and this is kind of the difference between um, the social credit score in China, which is government run, and what's evolving in the US, which is like this kind of social credit score thing is evolving behind the scenes with the major um, social media companies. So if you get banned from Twitter, well, that's justification for banning you from Facebook, which is justification for banning you from YouTube, which is justification for writing in the New York Times that you're banned from everywhere, therefore you shouldn't be anywhere. So Amazon shuts you down. Like, it's not government controlled uh, directly, but uh, similar outcome. I'll Fight You Naked says, NPR just targeted Ben Shapiro in the Daily Wire. Biden is starting with COVID misinformation. Then they're going after to go after news that isn't approved. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, again, water's wet. Uh, G-Man, automatic sensors, sorry, automatic doors at the grocery store are violence. I did not give them permission to use motion sensors on me. My body, my choice. <laughs> they are violence, G-Man, I agree with you. Twee Girl, is the New York Times publishing diary entries now? Diary entries. <laughs> it does sound, it reads like a diary entry. Dear Diary. It does. I was so excited about the vaccine diary. That's what. Um, that's why I wanted you to read more of it because the tone of that piece. It's. It's not. I mean, I know it's an op-ed, but the tone of it is just the standards for the New York Times have fallen so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, JB says, "What if the vaccine is for something real, which we released later to preserve the sheep?" Rambling. Uh <clears throat> Let's not speculate about any things yeah yeah thank so, you for you know what i chat. really like i really like the show utopia okay jb says another one from jb says small thumbs up gi jane for use of i never saw a wild thing quote well thank you i don't know okay. that was the yeah yeah 
Uh, TPS says no Odyssey because it doesn't play when the screen's off. Oh, didn't know that. Uh, is that a mobile thing? We're still on YouTube. It's okay. Andrew Knapp says, can you put the Odyssey link in the description? In my opinion, it's hard to find it in the Odyssey UI, which is why I came here. Sure, I think I did put it in the chat just now. It's odyssey.com slash at unsafe. That's how you find us. It's pretty simple. Um, but it is in all the show descriptions. All of our show descriptions link to a page on our website that has a more detailed show description and information. I think it's in every single one. In fact, every show probably has a link to our Odyssey thing. So, uh, it, But not when we're starting out live streaming. It's just like an old show will have it. So maybe we should add it to the new ones. Jillian Colucci says, I've been watching on Odyssey since Brett and Heather made the jump. I'll support you anywhere. Thank you, Jillian. Uh, Little Ragamuffin makes an awesome point. She says, how many people have tried to escape capitalism? It's a great point, right? The rafts go from Cuba to Florida, not Florida to Cuba. That's the direction of (laughs) immigration. It's important to notice. I had a person uh, this weekend, so I had to be down in Austin proper, and I haven't been down there in, in a couple years. And well, no, I was down there one night to see Chrissy Meyer, Chrissy Mayer perform, but it was night, and I didn't walk around. I just went to the venue. This was the first time I had been down there in the daytime in a couple years, and it was awful, Carter. I don't know. You probably didn't see it because you're not on social media a lot, but I, I took a bunch of photos. It looked like a third world country. Sixth Street, every every place is like boarded up. All the businesses went under this past year. I mean, there are some that are still open, very few. Buffalo Billiards, under. Uh, the mm-hmm. restaurant that used to be across from Esther's Follies and all the comedy places, boarded up, closed down. The Alamo Draft House went under. Like the iconic oh, no. Alamo Draft House. Yes. I mean, there's other oh. locations in Austin, but the iconic, the one on 6th Street, under. Yeah. Um, they're all boarded up. There's people passed out in front of these places in just squalor. Now, some of these people are homeless. Some people, who knows? Maybe they just didn't make it home last night. They, they're probably at heroin or whatever causes you to just be completely zonked out at noon on a Saturday. Probably and heroin. There's one guy like had totally wet his pants. And here's the crazy part of these images. Cause I could, I couldn't, what I was seeing, first of all, it's devastating to see the city like this, um, to see sixth street in such squalor, but on top of that, and to see all these, all these people like out there, there's nobody walking around by the way, it's a ghost town. So the only people walking around every once in a while, you'd see someone who's on drugs or something walking around talking to themselves or like a zombie that just came out of the hospital during the, apocalypse you know or they were just like walking around and missing clothes and and just mad just madness it's like looking at madness and Mm -hmm. so you're looking at these people who this is tragic what's in front of you and you want to say like why is nobody helping these people where should they be shouldn't someone be taking them to a center or something like this they're just laying out here on the street uh, zonked out on drugs. And then above them, here's the really, really messed up surreal part. All the boarded up shops and stuff. And where they're not boarded up, you can see people bashed in windows at all these places. All the boarded up places are painted with black lives matter murals and trans black lives matter murals. And so you've got these 
this juxtaposition of these BLM murals, Black Lives Matter, and under it, just like two people just completely conked out, just human ruin in front of you, destruction, destruction of human lives. And it just shook me. And so I shared some of these images. I'm like, this is Sixth Street right now. Like this is Austin right now. In two years, this is what happened. And and it's because of this ideology, right? And and you don't have to ask what the ideology is because it's on all the signs that are used to board up the buildings. Here it is, it's right in front of you, Black Lives Matter. And then right below it, you see the results of that. You see the fruit of that. And I shared this and I had somebody say to me, um, it's capitalism that's done this. <laughs> Carter, what do you say to that? You don't like, talk to those people. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that's my solution. I don't, I don't talk to those people. Uh, I, I mean, there's no... It's not worth it, but... If they're a kid, it would be worth it. Because you would explain, like, kids kind of, you know, they don't know yet. And you can kind of say, well, what do you mean by capitalism? Blah, blah, blah. But if it's an adult, they're not going to change their mind. If you want, you can ask them what what is capitalism, right? Um, it's certainly not government forced shutting down your businesses. Um, but right? you know, one thing I'll say about Austin, uh, being from the Bay Area, you know, for the last at least ten years, maybe longer, uh, when people move to Texas from San Francisco, they go to Austin. Austin's the one city everyone in San Francisco likes and wants to move to, and over that past 10 years or so, um, San Francisco has gone to, I mean, you think it's bad in Austin, trust me, it can get worse. Oh, I um, know. It's a literal sewer on the streets, and they've taken their San Francisco ideology, um, brought it with them to Austin, applied it diligently, yeah. and yes. Austin's on its way to being its own sewer. Yes. So you're welcome. Yeah, and and here's the thing. Somebody said, uh, somebody implied that I was cherry picking. It's like, yeah, you're right. I took all these photos on Sixth Street because Sixth Street to me, I used to live in Los Angeles. So here's a, here's what I see happening. Austin is becoming another LA or San Francisco. Sixth Street is is the Skid Row. It looks like Skid Row now. And you know what else? I could have cherry picked photos over on South Congress, and then and then you know what that looks like now? Rodeo Drive. That's changed too. Yeah, that's changed too. So just like LA, it's becoming a place for only millionaires or homeless people, and, and you're remaking the whole city to be like these different parts of LA. So yeah, I took the photos of the place that looks like Skid Row now and did not look that way two short years ago, and Rodeo Drive, aka South Congress now in Austin. That's like I know people who've moved there. I know th this is a, a, a friend of a friend just moved there, has two mansions in LA, just bought a million dollar condo on Congress and is buying another house in Texas. So four properties and, you know, not to begrudge this person, their success or anything at all. Great. I'm glad you can do that. I'm just saying that's what's happening to that area. It's becoming, it's pricing all the Texans out because you've got so much money coming in from, from California and they're, what are they bringing with them? They're bringing their failed ideology with them. The limousine leftists, the, I know enough of those people in Austin. I know enough of those people. They put up these Black Lives Matter signs. They put up in, in their fancy gated communities. They put up these, in this house, we believe signs. And then look at the fruits of their belief system laying in the street, soiling them, having soiled themselves. You know, you know what it reminds me of? 
the left is literally building Hunger Games. Yes. Um, like, they're literally <laughs> yeah. trying to build Hunger Games. Um, and they're blaming capitalism the whole way. Yeah. Um, and it's it's amazing because capitalism doesn't lead to Hunger Games. Um, but leftism does. Um, and which is why I've never really... I, I don't really like that fascism and communism are considered such different extremes. <laughs> like They're the same the thing. Same they're like mild variants of the same kind of authoritarianism. It's one's like, ah, eh, it's one guy in charge and we pretend to have a, uh, a free economy, but we don't at all because all the, the, the government controls what the companies can do. So it's kind of like this, you know, dictatorship of including economics and communism is like, well, there's a party often with a leader <laughs> uh, yeah. who's in control of everything. And you can't even have the private property to start with, but private was in quotes for fascism anyway. Like they're the same thing. Same thing. Neither yeah. one of them recognizes that you're an individual who owns yourself. Right. Neither one of them. Yes, that's the neither. fundamental difference. You are an individual who owns yourself. That's it. That's the end. That's, that's what you need to understand as the differentiator between that crap and everything else. Um, but you so, know, they, don't, is, they don't teach in school that, I mean, I didn't learn what national socialism is until right. an adult. That's embarrassing. I didn't learn that until after I left a social justice cult. Right, right. And people say, well, the only difference between, someone just said the difference is nationalism. That's not true. Like, not all communism wants to, was, was intent on spreading. Some of it was very nationalistic communism. So you, you can get, you can get nationalistic communism. Um, although it is true that fascism was more nationalistic historically, uh, but they didn't stay in their borders either. <laughs> they certainly wanted to spread. So, um, I think maybe communism likes to spread the ideology through universities and fascism is less patient. Um, but you know, China right now, I don't think you could rightly call China communist. I mean, they have a communist party, um, who, which is ostensibly in charge, but they're not a communist nation at all. They're they're authoritarian. They're much more fascist as a nation. You can have a you can start a business. There's 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 private businesses in China all over the place. Everything's a private business. But when you get big enough, <laughs> they tell you what to do, and they send someone from the Communist Party in there yeah. to sit down and direct you, and like you better fall in line. And if you don't fall in line, you, I mean, they're authoritarianism. They're authoritarians running a tax farm. That's all they are. They even admitted it. That was what. Deng Xiaoping, when he took over after Mao, was like, we need socialism with Chinese characteristics, which basically yeah. means not socialism. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, okay, like, th this isn't, you know, I it, I could go on a rant. I'll stop. I'll go on a rant. I feel yeah. like I'm ranting too much. Okay, let's go do some more Super Chats. Uh, There's a lot of people here today. Can I read one? Marie Buskey, five yeah. New Zealand buckaroos, says... Capitalism didn't do this. Blind faith in government did this. Blind support of ideological NGOs did this. Empowering the individual is the antidote. Yes. Yes, it is, Marie. By the way, uh, I got a package from you the other day, Marie. Thank you very much. Uh, I, won't, I won't say what? too much about it right now, but yeah. What? It's the family got a package. There was a family <laughs> package. Yeah. Um, Colin Yerman. Thank you, Colin. Gives us four ninety nine and says, Colin, your mom. Oh, calling your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I 
in case you can't tell, this is the episode where you learn that I'm not good with pronouncing words, even if I know what the word means, and I'm not good with singing, and I'm not good with these kind of jokes. Okay, Colin, your mom says, I'm all for Vax freebies if they're going to spend my money on outreach. I don't need Questlove to read me an ad. Just give me the free weed I paid for. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Zach Adamson gives four ninety nine and says, Memology 101 did an Austin piece showing what you're talking about. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I'll check it out. Oh, wait, wait. I think I did see that. It's some, I saw someone took a, took all the photos I made, I took and did a, they made a video out of it. That might oh. be what you're talking about. Uh, JB, 20 bucks. Thanks, Jay, says, I used that quote conspiracy comment against my quote conspiracy hypothesis uh relative and it made my quote anti-conspiracy relative feel better it blew my mind that i had to do that much work wow yep thank you Jay. um okay is that are you done or you got more and then christopher gory 499 hello christopher says a couple days ago youtube knocked a chrissy mayer stream off the second that she started making fun of a certain mural being fried by lightning coincidence. No, I don't, I don't think, it, I don't think a lot of things are coincidence that I used to think were coincidence. And thank you, Christopher. I think that's all the ones I can see. So I'll let you do the rest. Well, we only have two more. I think Richard Pett says, yep. I grew up sharing the family bath once a week. I still take my bath weekly, whether I need it or not. LOL. Um, In my house, Zach Tiger okay. gets the bath first and then I go and then Anthony. I'm kidding. No, you're not. Uh, Zach Adams says, gives us 20 bucks and says, keep up the good fight. Thank you, Zach. Um, and Mac Deckard gives us five bucks and says, if we move more toward a leftist Hunger Games Handmaid's Tale society, at least we'll get back tailoring and hats, mandatory hats. There's a silver lining even to that. Good point, Matt. <laughs> good point, Matt Deckard. <laughs> all right i think i think we're caught up on super chats um yeah by the way well sorry do you have anything else you want to uh just, just for people in the chat no i was just kidding i don't use the same bath water as my dog <laughs> it's she just wasn't a joke. kidding it's a joke about how he is so spoiled do you know he do you know i bought him a antique hairbrush from a uh, horse hairbrush from the 1930s to come with <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he's anyway let's move on <laughs> he's just very spoiled <clears throat> yes let's move on all right uh let's see well we got a couple things we could do um because i like ayn rand let's do this one beverly pull up number eight there's a tweet this is a uk um uh, MP, an MP in the UK. So maybe our friends across the pond will have seen this. I think she's at the Labour Party. Um, her name is Karen Buck, and she got in trouble. Uh, we'll wait for a second. Maybe we shouldn't wait. There we go. She got in trouble for, for pasting an Ayn Rand quote, which for some reason isn't showing up. Uh, there it is. Here's the, so, so she writes, there's always an Ayn Rand quote, 
And she and she pastes the quote, and the quote is, we are fast approaching the stage of ultimate inversion, the stage where government is free to do as it pleases, while the citizens may act only by permission. The thing that was interesting to me about this was no one that I saw, I and mean, I, I looked through a lot of responses to this, it was trending, Rand was trending because of this. Uh, no one addressed the quote. No one said like, gee, what does she mean by that? And how is this quote ap applicable today? It was all, well, other than the people who were like, yeah, I like Rand, which is very few. It was all, Rand's horrible, Rand is the worst person, how could you quote Rand? It was all genetic fallacy. It was all genetic fallacy. Shame on you for quoting Rand. You can't be in the Labor Party and quote, quote Rand, blah, 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 blah. No one, no one said, hey, that's an interesting quote. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And, and I, I think there might be parallels. Maybe this person was correct. No one addressed the quote. No one even addressed the quote to say, no, we're not. We're not approaching that stage. That's not true. No one even argued with the quote. They just yelled about the fact that it was Ayn Rand. And you know what? We say this generally. I think Ayn Rand's probably the best example of this. When you're taking flack, it means you're over the target. I don't know of any writer in history who takes as much flack as Ayn Rand. And it's because she was over the target most precisely. I mean... I, do I agree with everything she ever wrote? Of course not. Um, I don't think I agree with what I ever wrote 10 years ago, right? Like, but um, she very clearly was directly over the target philosophically. She yeah. called them out philosophically, and they absolutely hate her, which is the best endorsement I can possibly give for reading more Ayn Rand. We, have, we talked about her on on Friday, the essay Comprachicos, it's in the links um, on the on the on the page for the for the show for Friday's show. I would recommend go reading it. It's not a long essay. Um, it's free online. You can get the PDF. So, and the link is there. I get so tired of the genetic fallacy when people I know. and I. I mean, you know, we see it all the time. I know. I'm glad you're pointing it out. I think because there's so many new people watching. And we get, and like I said, people who are newly awake and see, and they're going through the same thing that I was going through like four years ago, where you're just kind of like, whoa, like I never noticed all this before. And I think it's because things have gotten so dystopian that usually I think maybe it's that when things accelerate this fast and get this bad, it does two things. It helps some people see things they couldn't see before because it's so surreal. But then also it it pushes some people, especially fearful people, into further into uh, into the matrix or into you know the the propaganda arms. Yeah, and and like I would just as a general rule, if you're seeing the genetic fallacy, go read that person. I don't care if they're on the left. <laughs> I don't care who they are. If someone's like, how dare you quote blah blah blah. Go read that person. <laughs> Go read the context of the quote. Go read the person because uh, I would never look. I don't. I don't say when someone quotes Karl Marx. I don't say like, "How dare you quote Karl Marx? He was horrible." Like I just say that's a horrible idea. Here's why yeah. it's a horrible idea. It's dumb. Here's why the idea is dumb. Right? Uh, but Engage with when the that, idea. Yeah, when that fallacy pops up, it's like. 
Here's a great it's one. It's a sign. It's a sign. Uh-oh. Tiger has a, something to say about this. There's several dogs here right now, and they're going to be loud. But I sent you a link, and I hope we can queue up. All right. Beverly's got it. All right. This looks like a carry tweet. Is that the right link? If you want to see what projection, accusing someone of what you're actively doing, name-calling an invective free of any argumentation or evidence looks like, check out John Leguizamo. Oh, yeah, that was our, our Leguizamo thing. No, no, this is not. This or is this new. a new one? Yeah, oh, please God. click He's on added this video. Again? <laughs> this is better. Myth Informed is like putting these together. So let's watch this video. It's not very long at all. All right. Uh, oh, wait. But Beverly can't do that. Only I can do that. Hold on. Unless we, Beverly, we got to figure out a way for Beverly to be able to play videos with sound. That's the, that's the next project we have. Technical project. All right. Hold on here. Somebody says, oh, geez, this guy again. Yeah. Well, why, while he's queuing it up, I'll say something about this. It, 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 once you see this, you'll probably think what the, what some people were saying in the comments, which is that it looks like he's reading it. Like these are not even his words. And I would say it looks like he's reading it because he probably is. If, um, you know, I used to work in management for entertainment. I managed comedians and I worked with a lot of nonprofits and they would promote my clients, my entertainment clients, and my clients would promote their talking points. So, you know, they're both getting something out of the relationship. They felt like we all felt like we're on the same side. We're on the side of good. Right. So, um, he likely is receiving talking points. Have you ever noticed how on sometimes like all the celebrities will put out talking points on the same day where they're sort of say they're talking about the same topic and sometimes using the same language even. So that looks coordinated because it is coordinated. These organizations, they have relationships with their handlers, with their publicists, their managers, sometimes their agents. And then they give those talking points to the celebrities and the celebrities tweet them or in his case, make videos about them. And then what happens after that? And they get rewarded. He went on, uh, he got a lot of press out of this. He went on Joy Reid after this. He gets to promote whatever his projects are after this because he's voiced the talking points. And, and so, it, yeah, it looks coordinated because it is coordinated. From their point of view, they're not doing anything wrong. They think, I support this and I'm just, I'm just, you know, I don't have time to put together all the arguments myself. Yeah, so I'm just going to read the talking points. But if he's an actor, shouldn't he be able to quickly memorize the talking points and regurgitate them? I'm like, that's his job, right? Like that's his, that's literally his job. Memorize the script, say it. That's his job. No? You should okay. put, you should cover me up with John Leguizamo because you haven't seen this yet. And I would like, I, I can't, views, I can't oh. cover you up. There, I, I have one camera feed that I can give. Oh, okay. So cool. yeah, I got to give my camera feed over to John Leguizamo. Okay. Here we go. Go ahead. Yo, what's up, Harry Potter fans? What? How would you like to have your favorite <laughs> wizarding world like totally ruined? Okay. All right, here goes. Why is he gonna be? Wait, may- is he gonna? Is he announcing he's gonna be in a Harry Potter movie? <laughs> no, he's basically saying, oh. "Would you like me to ruin your world, Harry Potter fan?" Uh, what? Why, John Leguizamo? <laughs> I was just over here enjoying my Harry Potter. <laughs> I actually, I actually don't read Harry Potter, but all right. It's so Plus, funny. he's apparently like, a Mets fan. Hey, well, I don't even like baseball, but really, <laughs> like. Hey, kid, are you enjoying that cotton candy? How'd you like for me to ruin it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. At least Adam ruins everything, although it's often um, misleading. At least he tries to be funny. Legazamo's just like, I'm a dick. 
<laughs> All right, here we go. You may know J.K. Rowling is super anti-transgender because she wrote a detailed anti-trans essay and posted it so everyone could see. I, I'm suspecting this is not true, Carrie, right? She's just anti-pronouns. True. Yeah, okay. She believes she's, she's uh, if, you, if, you, if you have to divide the world into anti and pro-trans, she would be decidedly pro-trans, meaning uh, she even uses pronouns depending on the person. From, from what I understand, she's... Uh, oh, she's just anti men and women's sports. She is. She believes in biological sex. She believes biological sex is real. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I just wanted to. I wanted to get straight to the academic thinky talk before John Leguizamo described it to me. Okay. That she's an asshole, a rich, famous person who goes out of her way to attack people who are already beaten down by society. Not a good look, J.K. In her essay, she was able to conveniently find and focus on all the lies she needed to support her feelings, citing all this anti-trans garbage she read. And, and, and yo, she's not alone. A lot of people do this because humanity has proven over and over again that they can just find the truth that backs up their existing feelings and then hide behind that instead of finding the facts and then reacting accordingly. <laughs> Have you noticed I, he's saying everything he's this is doing? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He he doesn't yeah. get he doesn't actually tell you any quote from this essay at all. He tells you what to think about it. He says it's anti-trans, that it's hateful, that it's full of lies, that it's full of anti-trans garbage, but he never gives you a quote. He never Yeah, we have eight seconds left. I'm sure all the facts will come in, in the last eight seconds. Here we go. Look, I'm not I'm not gonna bother responding to all of her bullshit because <laughs> she, she implies that autistic kids are for some reason being coerced into changing their well, I would be happy if he would respond to some of her bullshit. Maybe not all of it. Oh, you're muted. I would, sorry, I would be happy if he would respond to at least one thing out of her bullshit. Like, maybe not all of it, but like one. Could, one, he, could he respond could make, to one little thing? Can you make one argument? How about give us one thing she said that's wrong? Or are you using your, uh, are you cherry picking and using your emotions? Uh, are, you, are you trying to justify your emotional uh, view on this, Mr. Legs? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, look. Her, I, look, just to be – people in the in the comments are pointing this out, that he's straw man. Yes, he's straw man fallacy. He's yeah. ad hominem. He called her an a-hole. While he's yeah. behaving like one, he's using projections, so he's accusing her of all the things that he's doing. Uh, what else? I mean, there was nothing here of substance. Nothing. Of course not. But There's nothing in leftism of substance, generally. <laughs> no, I, I know that just sounds stupid, but, like, there's nothing of substance. It's all built on crap. Of course it's crap. And when, he, when it gets distilled to an actor who doesn't even understand how to make it look pretty, you get left with the crap that it is. Just like, just like when critical race theory gets distilled to your, your six-year-old and he comes home and is like, white people are bad. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I mean, he got distilled. You got it. That's... Yeah, there's a lot of academic thinky talk on top of it, but you got it. That's that's all it is. Leftism is you don't own yourself, the government does. That's what leftism is. Leftism is you do not own yourself. That's it. That's the end of leftism. That is what leftism is. Fundamentally, you don't own yourself. That's it. That That's all it is. That's all it is. Every version of leftism is you don't own yourself. And by the way, a lot of versions of right stuff as well is you don't own yourself. But like... That's what authoritarianism, you don't own yourself. Yeah. The truth is you do own yourself. 
You do own yourself. You do. Despite what Mao or Biden or John Leguizamo says. Well, Thanks, thank sir. you for that loveliness. Uh, we should just have a regular section called the John Leguizamo minute, hot I, minute. I'm just I kidding. I don't want to. I'm just kidding. We're giving him more fame than he <laughs> deserves generally. Like, I don't. It's a, you know what's amazing to me? It's amazing to me how this idea that you don't own yourself and that you need to subjugate yourself to the, the desires of someone else can really come in so many different varieties with so many different flavors, with so many different arguments and emotional hand-wringing. And like, it's, it, there's so many forms of it. It's amazing to me that there's so many forms of the same thing. And the reason that there have to be so many forms is because uh, <laughs> they keep getting batted down every one time, every time someone's like, how about this way? And everyone's like, nope, that way sucks. How about this other way? Nope, that way sucks. Every way of not owning yourself sucks. <laughs> Let's just learn the lesson, people, and move on. It all sucks. <sighs> Someone right. told me to resign myself to all this. Sorry, I can't help it. Who is John Leguizamo? That's the best chat question I've seen. I'm going to say, I don't know. Who cares? We're, we're going to, Carter, we could call it Leguizamo's Loquacious Lectures. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <sighs> he doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. I know. No, he doesn't matter. But mocking this ideology matters. And showing how they they all mm -hmm. use actors know, like yeah. there's not a there's there's nobody behind the curtain. Do you know what I mean? It's like the great and powerful Oz. These these celebrities who are mouthpieces for this evil ideology, they don't even they don't even understand the words that they're using. Like uh, Obeid Omer and I were talking about this on Twitter. He's repeated. He's John Leguizamo in this video. He does what a lot of them do. He does what I used to do. They just repeat things. They learn the talking points and they go out and repeat it. So they're sort of using words like magic spells. They use it like incantations. It's like, if I say this, then I'll get you to shut up. And as you've said many times, Carter, they don't use words as tools for communication and greater understanding of each other. They use words as tools to manipulate they, I mean, they use them. I, I, there's, there's two uses I've seen for, for words from the left. One is obfuscation. They use yeah. them to hide the truth. Yes. Um, and the other is they use them, like you're saying, as incantations. And so they're looking for some magical combination of sounds that will make you fall in line with the ideology. Yes. But they don't they, – there's not a relation to what those sounds mean, right? It doesn't – they're just – they're, they're like a slightly more efficient version of just a random sound device that's just make, making noises. And, like, they recognize that, you know, well, the noises need to sound kind of like English and probably should use some words. And, like, we're going to put them together in some random ways and try and get you to. But they, I mean, to some extent, the ways are rather random. Like, you know, let's add the word social to justice. Why? I don't know. Because actual justice sucks for our cause. So let's put, let's, let's call it social justice. Or, like... 
they they throw words together to get you to behave in a way. Social justice doesn't have yes. a meaning. Justice is a personal concept. Justice is something that's that's relates to the actions of an individual. Like they do the not, same. There's no meaning they, there. They do the same thing with kindness. They 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 coined the phrase radical kindness when what they want is the opposite of. It's like radical kindness is not actually kindness. It's a way to it's a way to disguise, like you said, obfuscate abusive behavior and and rebranded as kind oh but it's it's not abusive it's radical kindness oh is it, I right. guess it's a kind of kindness that i'm not familiar with <laughs> like, right. i wasn't familiar with the radical kind it feels like <laughs> you're hitting me in the head well just being radically kind like that's what yeah. that is they do this social yeah. justice it, it wait a minute this doesn't seem like justice it seems like you're punishing people based on their group status yeah because if it was justice they would call it justice yes <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've said this before, but it's been a while since I've mentioned this, and I do like, I like philosophy a little bit, so we'll, I'll just mention it. I do think one of the keys to saving Western civilization is Socrates, and, and the reason I'm bringing Socrates up is he was very adamant about definitions, and I find myself doing this. I'm not saying that, like, I don't, I'm not ever guilty of this. We all are sometimes, but... Uh, hopefully I'm less guilty than than your average NPC. Um, using words without understanding the exact definition of what your what the words are you're speaking mean. Legazamo doesn't know what the words he's speaking actually mean here. And in order to have you know in a dialogue, in order to have this is what one of the reasons Socrates recognized this. Like in order to have your dialogue in the first place. You need to speak the same language. You need to have the same meaning attached to words. Otherwise, you're just talking over each other. And half the time, actually, I, in my experience, half the time, if you get to definitions, the whole debate goes away. Like, it's actually just a definitional problem. <laughs> like, you thought you were in massive disagreement. Someone mentioned this the other – I think it was – um, was it Daniel Wagner that mentioned he was in, like, a, a anti-capitalist Facebook group or whatever? And he found that, like – Actually, just asking what they mean by capitalism like resolved ninety percent of the differences people were having because they we were just know. meaning different things. Yes. So definitions matter. Words matter. Having exact yes. definitions matters. And if you're speaking regularly without a clear understanding of what you mean when you say things, stop speaking. Yes. <laughs> stop. Yes. This is one of the best. There have been many things I learned from discovering Jordan Peterson a few years ago. And I, as I'm sure the same could be said, a lot of our audience probably probably had the same experience. I know Cecil, who we had on on Friday, did. You know, Peterson was very meaningful for him, too. And one of those things I heard him say that really stuck with me was about how speaking the opinions of others is a form of lying if you haven't actually come to those conclusions yourself. And if you don't know what the meanings of the words that you're saying, if you don't know what those meanings are, that that's a kind of lying. And I thought it took me a while. I thought about what he was saying there a lot. And, and I started weeding that out of myself and take like, you know, getting rid of tribal. See tribalism makes people, makes people feel like they need to have a opinion on everything. 
and that as a shortcut, they can just adopt the opinion of their tribe because we're the good guys, right? That's what was happening when, as an entertainment manager, we were getting talking points from the leftist nonprofit, nonprofits. We were getting talking points from these activist orgs and we were sharing it with our clients and they were speaking it without investigating any of this stuff, without knowing what the words meant. It, it was because we felt like, well, we're all in the same tribe. These are the good guys, we trust them. These are the experts on our side. They're gonna give us these talking points, but they're not your opinions. Those words are not yours if you haven't done the time to really think about what you're saying. And if you can't put something in your own words, I don't care how inarticulate you think you are or how limited your vocabulary is. Everybody, if they understand something, they know how to express that in their own words. And so if you can't figure out a way to express something in your own words, it's like maybe that's not your opinion. Maybe yeah. you're repeating something you heard someone say. You know, I, I get, for example, Carter with you. I don't have a lot of opinions about economics because I don't know a lot about it. And I rely on, you're someone I trust. And so I trust your opinion. There's also friends of mine who would probably disagree with you in a lot who I trust. And so I like to get different perspectives, but when I come to you and I say something like I did earlier in the thread, like how would you respond to this person who said, you know, this squalor that you're seeing, this destruction of the city and of, and of human lives that you're seeing as a result of, of capitalism I'm listening to your answer, but I'm not just like taking that that idea of yours, that conclusion of yours and spitting it out in the world as if it's mine. I'm not going to say that until or anything like that until it's something that I believe and have come to understand and I can articulate in my own way, if that makes sense. Right. No, that's and the right so, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I still have yeah. Like someone asked, asked me. These these leftists yesterday, they were trying to get into it with me and and Brian from uh, Myth Informed um, about the Texas anti CRT legislation, and they quoted a tweet or a headline that said, you know, Texas removes MLK speech from the curriculum. That's a I'm like really they banned MLK no, speech? It, Why? No, it didn't. Oh, they yeah. didn't. That's a very misleading tweet. You click on it and you find out they removed a lot of different things as requirements. And so first I pointed out, well, that's misleading. They didn't ban it. They just removed all these different requirements. And then this person wanted to argue back and forth about whether or not they should remove things as requirements. I don't have a strong opinion on that. I don't. And I'm not going to make one up. I mean, there's lots of things I think should be included in curriculum. For example, we talked about the other day, I think, I think Frederick Douglass's uh, 4th of July speech should be included, but I don't know what I think about the government requiring certain speeches. Anyway, it's like saying, Hey, in every phone class you ever have, you have to watch this film. Like there's so much to include. I don't even know how you would, why is it the government's job to regulate which specific speeches? I guess that was my point. And I don't, so well, I don't I mean, there's only one requirement that. that I think public schools should withdraw, and that's attendance. So, um, <laughs> okay, that was a bit of a tangent, but you get <laughs> no, what no, I'm, no. That's what you're I, I do, I do get what you're saying, and I want to. There's a Dion who she is the the queen of quotes. Dion uh, gives a quote, and I, I want to talk about something personal related to it. So she says, "It's an Ayn Rand quote." Since we were on Ayn Rand today. A little bit and she says man needs knowledge in order to survive and only reason can achieve it men who reject the responsibility of thought and reason can exist only as parasites on the thinking of others and yes. she has really good points actually about how 
Um, I think, she, I don't know if it's there, but elsewhere she, Rand goes into how actually thieves are parasites. Even a thug that comes and steals your, you know, productive labor is, can't exist without you. He's actually a parasite because you produced the, the stuff. All they can do is steal it. That's not a skill that's survived. Like, that's not a survival skill in reality. Like, if you know yeah. how to plant corn and grow your corn and harvest your corn and then eat your corn and he comes along and steals it, all he knows how to do is steal the corn. He can't survive without you. He needs you. If you die, he goes away. He can't survive. Yeah. Um, but I this, I want to just say this on a, on a personal note. And uh, it might be different for people that grew up or were around different people. But when I left Christianity 25 years ago or however long it was at this point, maybe longer. God, I think it was longer. Shit. Anyway, I'm so old. Anyway, when I left Christianity roughly 25 years ago, um, something really good came out of that, which was um, I was not in an environment with lots of atheists. I was, I was rejected by everyone around, almost everyone around me. Keith the Hack guy was a friend of mine then, and it still is. But most people rejected my atheism. And it also forced me to be responsible for making my own decisions politically, morally. Like, I had to decide what I thought about stuff. Mm -hmm. It forced me to think about stuff. Stuff that I hadn't thought about, and now maybe other Christians do, but I had grown up. I had grown up as a devout Christian, and I hadn't thought about stuff beyond this is what the Bible says. Um, this is what I'm supposed to do because the Bible says it. The end. Um, there's some interpretation, of course, because there are different um, denominations of Christianity. So, like, obviously, and I had been in lots of different denominations, so I knew there was different interpretations of different things and different emphasis from different um, religious leaders. But uh, the big question that I never really had to answer for a lot of these was why? Why is that the rule? Why is that right? Why is that wrong? And I had to answer that for myself. And I couldn't always come up with the right answer. And actually, I think I was quite lost for a while. Like, I, I made some wrong decisions as a result. I concluded the wrong thing sometimes. Um, and it took me a while, sometimes painfully, <laughs> It took me a while to figure out, like, oh, all right, like, I understand that now, and now I know why. But the whole time, one thing that changed for me was I ceased being afraid of debating anyone on anything, because I ceased being afraid of being wrong, because I didn't care if I was wrong. I cared if I was applying reason. And I was like, well, am I using reason and evidence? And if they can show me that I'm not using reason and evidence or that their reason is better than my reason, I can switch, I can change my opinion. It doesn't matter, I'm not on a side. My side doesn't have like, I don't have to conform with anyone. And it's scary because ultimately it's just my side, which is pretty lonely. But on the other hand, I don't, there's no risk of like, oh crap, my entire worldview is gonna be bent because someone proves me wrong on something. It's like, oh, gee. <laughs> Good point. Thanks. And I was able to say, I don't know on stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Abortion is an issue that I can say, like, I know some parameters of what I think about it. But when it comes down to at what moment do I think it's okay or not okay to, to end the life of a, of a unborn human, 
Like, uh, I definitely think it's okay on day one <laughs> when, when it's like two cells. I definitely think it's wrong right before birth. I don't know the answer in between. I'm okay saying that. I don't know. I don't know. And if I said something else, I will be speaking someone else's opinion. And there's something very freeing about saying like, oh, there's stuff that I don't know. The stuff that I do know, I know why I know. And maybe you can convince me that I'm wrong. But at least I know why I, I, I believe this thing. That was a long... No, I, I just wanted to, it's interesting because I've had a very similar experience, but in my case, the path led me to Christianity <laughs> and uh, I have had a different experience with it than the one that you described that you had because my preacher doesn't want us to abandon reason or logic at all, quite the contrary. And and there's no question that's off limits. It's It's like, we're sort of I used to have this view before I became a Christian. I had this view of it as, as what you were talking about, like this tribe of like conformity and, and that's not my, been my experience with it. I don't, uh, I, yeah, I, sort I, of feel like I may be misrepresented by the way, but okay. No, but, but I'm just saying we've had different experiences. That's all. I've, I've yeah. As things have been revealed to me, uh, it's it's funny because I don't view these things as uh, things I have to follow without you know th that some authoritarian father is giving me these dictates just to restrict my freedom. It's weird. I've started to even view freedom as something different than I used to. And you know this. We've talked about this before. I used yes. to think of freedom as sort of uh, the the freedom to do anything anywhere and and no restrictions and and at the end of the day i think that that leads to nihilism and and a place of like everything goes and everything's equal it's like postmodernism and nihilism and like nothing matters if everything's equally valid and and so for me the, my experience of it has been more of like oh like i started to recognize some of these things that i used to think of as sort of limiting rules that god wants us to live by i now view them as more of like a loving parent who's saying uh, th these are the, some guidelines on like the best way to live. Um, therefore, are good. There's other reasons why I think God has laid this out, but one of those is because like, hey, you're going to have an easier time of it if you follow these rules. <laughs> and and right. I didn't used to think of it that way. I thought of it as just like, why are you trying to like harsh my freedom or whatever? Why are you trying to well, like tell me? Can, what can I, I just clarify do? something? Because yeah. I. I my experience of Christianity is exactly what you just said. I did not mean to imply anything else. That's what oh, it okay. was. However, reason was and I was always very logical. Reason was absolutely encouraged. I was more of a Thomas Aquinas type of Christian. But the starting point, all reason flows from premises. All logic flows from premises. Without premises, you can't reason. You can't. You can't start anywhere. You have right. to have premises. And all the premises began with the Bible. They always began with the Bible because that was the word of God. And what was scary was having them detached. Right. And they, then they start from nothing. And you have to ask the question, where the hell do my premises start? And that what gets scary about that is the answer is induction. The answer is they start from your observations of reality and conclusions that you draw yeah. about the nature of reality. And that's a pain. And when it gets I, scary. When I left social justice, that was the same thing. All the premises came from social justice religion. It is a religion. <laughs> it's a faith. And once I got rid of that, then it was like, what do I think about things? And that was a very slow process of, like you said, it's scary and it, you kind of feel 
naked and vulnerable because your whole house has been knocked down and you're like cowering, like, what am I going to build? I had to build the foundation first. What's my most foundational belief or beliefs and then go from there. And, uh, but it's, it's absolutely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back to that, like shelter of, of, of an ideology. I just wouldn't go back to that for anything because it's better to be naked, alone on the rock, like figure out how to build your house of what you actually believe than it is to be in some tribe that's about to run off a cliff, you know, some herd that's about to do a nosedive. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously I know we've talked about this before, but a difference between the quote religion of social justice and which I do agree is more culty, uh, than, than, than a religion like Christianity is Christianity is seeking to answer questions like how can you like positive how do you positively live on earth in a way that's like good for you that's good for you and people around you like there's a there's a positive goal social justice is basically uh how do you avoid getting chopped down first and how do we destroy everything like it's it's, there's not a it's not a it's it's like like a paranoid cult of like we got to destroy everything and you don't want to be the first one to get chopped down probably you'll be the last one to get chopped down but we're not going to tell you that so just chop everything down with us like if that's that's a pretty sick uh ultimately nihilistic and anti-life yeah. philosophy oh it totally is let's destroy everything joy yeah. families society human lives. yeah right this is dignity. all you actually uh, yeah i'll say this to the atheist this is all you have because i know there are atheists who think i'm too easy on christianity this is what i'll say any belief system that allows there to be joy and celebrates it is better than social justice <laughs> like joy is not allowed in the left in the left belief system it's not allowed the closest you can get is schadenfreude you could maybe revel in the destruction of your enemies but like pure joy is not a value but it is in christianity like there's plenty of psalms about joy and there's plenty of like joyous things that are trying to be celebrated within the christian religion and that's true of other religions as well um but it's not true of the social justice ideology it's not no in fact they shame you for any expressions of joy because you know right. you should you, that's your privilege oper- operating in the world you should be in mourning about something somewhere or fighting or angry like you could never you should never be wearing be- a hair shirt and whipping yourself yeah. <laughs> and drawing blood and whatever and you should be upset about everything um yeah and look and here's the thing if the actual SJW crowd was serious about their beliefs, they would commit suicide. They're not I, at least all the white people would. They would commit suicide. That would be like that's the end result of their like that's what they would do. They're not serious about it. It's just they're just it's a performance. Yeah, I think also so. I've been thinking a lot about how con artists operate within belief systems and charlatans and you know any uh, belief system. Uh, can any anyone can any can support charlatans who use that who use that community and use that system of belief and who are false prophets and who are bad faith actors and who are just there for their own personal enrichment and gain and and so i think a lot of times that what i used to mistake those con artists in christianity i used to mistake them for what christianity was about and now i just look at those people like what, like you don't represent anything about like what Christianity is to me. 
it, it, they're just kind of jokes. Do you know what I mean? And they have mega churches, some of them, and huge followings, and and that makes sense to me. I mean, the Bible talks about this, talks about how people will follow these false prophets. And so, I mean, that makes total sense to me. And I, I can see it. I can see it in there's false prophets in the social justice world. When I was in social justice, there were people who just were con artists who use it for their own enrichment and their own gain. I mean, you can see this look, look around you. And even now, now that it's becoming like all the latecomers are now getting on board in, in the entertainment world. And if you're in these big cities like LA and, and New York, uh, New York, where it's the dominant culture, the people who are just now getting woke, those people are like the real latecomers. Those people I, I don't believe are very sincere. I just think they're sort of like, well, it's it's the tide's totally turned. I have to convert now, you know, and and you you can see it in any belief system. You can even see it in people who push back against woke ideology. There are con artists, and they will take advantage. Of There's con artists everywhere. Everywhere, like, psychopaths everywhere. exist everywhere, yes. and they will and so take advantage of everything. Yeah, and so you can't take those people, those those aberrant personalities types, the people with personality disorders, you can't take them as representative of the whole. And I used to do that with Christianity. I used to take those um, the, those wolves. Joel Ornstein, Ornstein or whatever. Yeah, your, people like yeah. that or Jerry Falwell or people. I don't know. I used to, that, that's what Christianity is. No, it's not. No, it's not. And that's why I think you will see some of the most harsh words in the Bible reserved for those kind of people because you know what do they say you are like whitewashed tombs oh i gotta read it's like poetry i gotta read it's like angry poetry night <laughs> righteous angry poetry night anyway okay enough enough christianity for carter today let's move on <laughs> yeah we'll do some uh, we'll do some super chats silver kangaroo just quoted dr house saying everyone lies i love dr house except the one thing in his character that they never resolved that I wanted to be true is like he was he's just a cynic. Like at the end of the day, he just was a cynic. Like there was not really I guess maybe at the very end there was like a little bit of redeeming friendship there, but um he got tiring after a while because he was just a cynic. Um so but I did appreciate him. And I was Doctor House for Halloween once. Okay. Um so here's one that didn't show up. Uh, Beverly just messaged it to us because I guess there okay. was some problem. She said from Joy. Uh, thank you, Joy. Joy says, yes, Carrie, this is what keeps Facebook alive. People who share what other people have said. If everyone had to write their own thoughts, Facebook would cease to exist. That is an interesting thought. I share a lot of thoughts because yeah, when they're good, you know, you want to get the word out there and you want people like, hey, this is someone I follow because I, I like their mind. Like Thomas St. Thomas, who writes for us, like, I'm going to share almost everything he writes because I love his mind yeah, and I think great. everybody should read it. But I understand yeah. what you're saying. There is a, I also write my own things and it's, it, it's hard. I think some people are just, um, it may not be their gift to be able to articulate what's in their head. That's not, it's not exactly the same thing as, as what I'm talking about, I guess, because, because I do know some um, people who, do you think? I, I would challenge them. I would say, you can that's a cop out like maybe you can't articulate it eloquently You're but right. you should be able to articulate it clearly and if you can't then you don't understand it that's okay. true for like anything if you're learning physics or you're learning history if you can't articulate what happened or the physical concepts it they don't have to be eloquent you don't have to be a great writer but you got to be able to be clear i don't think that's too high of a bar for people 
Okay, you're right. And I actually said that earlier. That's like you can find a way to articulate it. I guess what I meant is some people don't. I would rather share a very eloquent article by Thomas St. Thomas sometimes than to try and say then your re-articulated version yeah right it's like sure. look he said this best let me share it but you right know. of course yeah that's why there are great books we don't you know we don't rewrite you know crime and punishment because <laughs> right. like well let me just i mean i guess cliff notes does but whatever like we you know it's like well you know here's what dostoevsky was saying it's like no just read the book <laughs> because he said it better right um so I, I get that but i think what i like about what joy is saying is that it's something i hadn't really thought about too much has there been, I don't know the answer, but I think it, I'm leaning towards no, has there been a time in human history where the predominant interaction that we have with other people is sharing of a third party's thoughts? Because usually what would happen in the past, if I read an article, let's say we were 40, 50 years ago, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal from Thomas St. Thomas instead of online. And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And then I say, Carrie, you should really read this article from Thomas St. Thomas. It's it's this is what it's about. I really liked it or blah, blah, blah. And then you could choose to read it. But I first have to like sell it to you. And so I don't just hit the yes. share button on my Wall Street Journal yes. and like you get it right away. I have to like do some evangelism or some or I look at it and go, it was pretty good, but it's not enough to talk to Carrie about. And I put it paper down into the the pile to get burned later for my fireplace. And like and that's the end. And like and, and maybe I rearticulate those ideas later in some other fashion or whatever but my interactions with other people were i think in the past were at the very least went through the filter of me having to re like rearticulate in some way what they were and saying. now there's like no filter at all i just boom 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 share 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 i don't have to do any work there's no intellectual work there i i mostly notice this sometimes in comments like there are some people who they don't write long posts with their own thoughts but if they get into discussion with you in the comment section they're perfectly capable capable of and they do speak their own words to you they're not just quoting op-eds right. at you i my biggest pet peeve is with a lot of social justice people um it, it's not just that they don't write their own posts which fine but when you're trying to have a conversation back and forth in the comment section even in a comment, they can't articulate what they want to say. They're like, read this op-ed. And you're like, well, I think da-da-da-da-da. And they're like, op-ed. <laughs> right, like, right. Wait, what? You're not even replying to me. You're just giving me somebody else's op-ed to read? Like, you can't even yeah. say what you think? Read this one, read this one. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't play that op-ed game in the comments. Like, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I like YouTube chat, like, you, like these kind of discussions, because mm -hmm. it's not just we can't just share articles back and forth with each other. Like we have to have a discussion yeah. about it. Right? right. Um, and like I said, I can't think of another time in human history where humans got away with that and where that was their predominant interaction. I mean, if you're on Facebook and some of those people are not your real life friends or you don't see them very often, even if they are, you're most of your, <laughs> most of your interaction with them is hitting share or thumbs up or a heart or whatever. Like, that's a weird, not very connecting, anti-intellectual interaction. Maybe you get into conversations with them as well, which is great, but I don't know. Just thinking about it. Okay. Hey, anyway, that was um, a very thought-provoking thought super chat, Joy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Joy. 
there's one that Jay, I see Jay's in the chat a lot, and I'm sorry, I haven't been able to follow everything you're saying, Jay, but I did see your super chat, he gave us $20, and he said, it's a quote, he says, evil is evil, lesser, greater, yeah. middling, makes no difference, the degree is arbitrary, the definition's blurred, if I'm to choose between one evil and another, I'd rather not choose at all, end quote, and this is from The Witcher, I'm not familiar with it. I'm not either. Um, Thank you. But I like the quote. I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm looking at it. Mike. Mm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, the degree is arbitrary. I don't know what that means. Like, the, what does that mean? The degree is arbitrary? The degree is dependent on the degree of evil that the person is doing. Like, a child rapist is worse than someone who st steals a pack of gum from the 7-Eleven. I don't agree that evil is evil. <laughs> and lesser, greater, middling makes no difference. I don't agree with that quote. Um... I think they are both wrong, but I do think degree matters. Uh, so, okay. Sometimes degree matters. I guess it just depends. Never mind. Let's degree can matter is all yeah. I'm saying. I don't, yeah. yeah. Like I've seen some people say, well, this kind of racism is not as bad as this kind of racism. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to argue with you about what level of hell the, the, the critical race theory is on compared to white. Right. So in that case, I'd be like, I don't know. Is one racism better than the <laughs> other? I don't know. Stealing gum and murder, those are two different, like, are they both wrong? Yes. But there's a difference. Actually, there's even a difference in kind in those two evils. Mm -hmm. um, one is property theft and the other is outright physical violence. Like, uh, not only are there a difference in degree, but there's a difference in kind there. Um, Jillian Colucci says, nothing strengthens authority so much as silence, which is a Leonardo da Vinci quote. Thanks for that one. I hadn't heard that one. Uh, John Pagdillo says, this is why Gary, a.k.a. Nerdrotic, called these people adult pretenders. Oh, that's a great phrase. I haven't heard yes. him use that phrase. Adult yes. pretenders. Yeah. Um, Richard Pett says, if I want to be taken seriously, I have to think, act, and speak seriously. Cheers, you guys. Thank Where's you that from, heard. Richard? Because I recognize it. I, is it a Bible thing? I don't remember. I think it is a Bible thing. I, I just don't remember where. Because um, it, it's reminding me of the quote about uh, when I was a child, I th I th think th I th I thought like a child and blah blah blah, child. And then, um, no, because then the, then the rest of it is I put away childish things. Really I don't know where that quote comes from, but I feel like it's from somewhere. Richard Petz, if you can tell me, tell me. Um, Matt Deckard says <clears throat> anti-academic thinky talk is all that matters. <laughs> yes, obviously. Um, Andrew Joyner says SJWs revel in buzzwords, obfuscation, and abstraction. Yeah. Yeah, although I don't think they even do abstraction properly, because properly done, abstraction has ties to reference in reality. Like, there's a, the abstract concept freedom may be abstract, but it ought to relate to things. When someone says, uh, for example, when I say self-ownership and someone says, no, you, you don't have self-ownership, that sounds abstract, but I immediately in my mind can conjure up lots of things that that means. That means you can take my stuff. It means you can kill me. It means you can force me to move where I want. It means you can make me work. With it. Like If I don't own myself, I can see a whole bunch of things that happen as a consequence of that. They're all real things in reality that are concrete, but the concept is abstract. What happens is on the left, they do a lot of floating abstractions. Actually, not just the left. There's a lot of floating abstractions. They have abstract concepts that aren't tied to any reference in reality. 
um, and they just have conversations about them. And, and they, so they know one. This is why people don't get upset about philosophic disagreements often, which I do, right? <laughs> but the reason a lot of people don't get upset about philosophic disagreements is because they have this kind of attitude like, well, it's just an abstract, abstract, we're just having an abstract discussion, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, yeah, actually, communism does mean something. Collectivism killed 100 million people last century. It means something. It doesn't mean anything because you don't know how to tie it to reality. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. If you tied your abstracts to reality, they would mean a hell of a lot more. Communism is more abhorrent than killing one person because communism killed lots of people and will continue to kill lots of people. Like, <laughs> those are different um, only if you don't have your abstract concept tied to reality. All right. Yeah. Johnny Boy Crick Draw says, guys, really? That's two shows now starring the illustrious Mr. Leguizamo. If you must, please name the recurring segment. <laughs> Thinky Time Talk with JL. Yeah, I think we should stop it, Johnny Boy. I, I'm on your side on that one. Wait, that's so much better than Leguizamo's loquacious lectures. Thinky Talk Time <laughs> with JL. Thank you. That was funny. Think, can it be Thinky Talk Theater? <laughs> Thinky Talk, Talk Theater. <laughs> Oh, with your great. host, John Leguizamo. Um, Mr. John Wiley E. Coyote says, thanks, Carrie and Carter, making my boring Monday much more interesting. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. And Zach Adamson's Zach Adamson says, may great Cthulhu eat you last. I'm glad. That's all we want, Zach. That's all we want is to be eaten last. <laughs> I'm glad you pronounced that because that's another word that I always get wrong. When I, try to I don't know if it's right. Cthulhu, Cthulhu, I don't know. I didn't read a lot of Lovecraft, so, I, and I don't even, if you do read Lovecraft, I don't think they say how to pronounce it. So maybe someone can put the, someone in chat put the, uh, the pronunciation in there for us. So we, so we know how to say it. <sighs> well, Thank Carrie, you. I was going to tell you about the new emoji, but it's, I feel like we should wrap things up. But also, I'll just mention it and we don't have to move on. Although it is number six, if Beverly wants to throw it up on screen, but we can end. Uh, just in case you were concerned that you couldn't use an emoji of a pregnant person who was also a man, they've fixed that now. There is a pregnant man <laughs> emoji so that you can. No. <laughs> yeah. There's a pregnant no. man emoji so that you can uh, emoji people in your life. I don't know who I don't emoji a lot. Is that a is that a verb? I don't use a lot of emojis, but there's a pregnant man now with a mustache, as you can see there <laughs> in the picture. So if you need to be talking about all those pregnant Aww. men in your life, now you have an emoji for it. <laughs> he looks like he just has a beer gut and he has some indigestion. He does. He does. Because like his, like his face looks like he's thinking, I wish I hadn't eaten that last piece of barbecue. Yeah. Also, the roundness of it, if you know anyone who's pregnant, uh, like it's angled a little bit differently. This does does look just like a giant keg belly. Um, yeah. It doesn't actually look. There's not like because uh, pregnant women it tends to be like angled a little bit farther down. Like there's a little bit more. The center of gravity is a little bit lower. Um, so they did a bad job. I'm sure someone will protest the poor job they did of making the pregnant man <laughs> emoji. But hey, by the way, look at the other. It's progress, people. <laughs> Look at the other emojis around it. Uh, I don't think they intended this, but all those little smileys are doing things that look like appropriate reactions to the pregnant man. Like one of them's melting. <laughs> one of them's, one of them's hiding. crying. One's yeah. crying. One's hiding. Crying while smiling. One is the uh, lower hiding. right is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to salute it and yeah, say, "What a brave it. pregnant man." 
Yeah, and then the, and then there's one smiley that's hiding its eyes but peeking through one because it doesn't want to see this. Yeah. <laughs> Someone pointed out the pregnant man is white. That is also a problem. I don't know if they have multicolored pregnant men. Um but if they don't, uh, and I don't, and and Christopher Gorey also says, why is the multiracial handshake a big deal? I don't understand that either. But I think they're saying they make they're making it seem like it's a big deal. But I kind of remember that from the United Colors of Benetton thirty yeah. years ago. So I'm pretty sure uh, it's not a big shocking thing anymore. But hey, yeah. if you want that emoji, great, better than a pregnant man emoji. I'll give you that. Yeah. So what is that battery so, there? I don't know. My battery's drained. And oh, I'm surprised they didn't say it was not like a no spoons. I have no spoons. I have maybe that's what it is. It's the no spoons emoji. I can't deal with your. I can't explain this to you. I got no explaining <laughs> spoons left. <laughs> <sighs> On that note, Carrie, uh, I think we've gone. We've gone our time. We can we can end the show. Okay. What do you think? I think we should because these little dogs just broke into my room. So I got to go. <laughs> they just, they were. All right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, thank you been... all for watching. Oh, Bye. wait, thank wait, you... wait. What? Thank you guys all for hanging we... out. We just had, I just want to thank Tinkering and Faux Peasy, who both, I think, gave us super chats on Odyssey. I don't even know what they're called. Oh, you can But do I think it. they gave us. Odyssey, are they hyper chats or something? They're better than super. Um, and thank you, yeah, thank you. Before we end, like I want to acknowledge that. Thank you. Pregnant man super. They're yeah, Tinkering level. says pregnant man emoji cool and it's on fire. So <laughs> Tinkering really likes that one. Um, and Fopeasy says just caught up at two times speed on YouTube so that now I can switch over here. So Sweet. Um, anyway, thank you. Cool. Thank you for uh, using just, Odyssey. Just a reminder, guys, we have book club coming up uh, August 15th, which is a Sunday. You can find out more at unsafespace.com on the book club page. This book's The book for this month is nonfiction. It's the Anarchist Handbook by Michael Malice, a collection of essays. And then also we have a couple of interviews coming out soon. We did one with the authors of Unsporting, which is about, speaking of pregnant men, which is about uh, <laughs> tra tra uh, trans women in women's sports, so biological men in women's sports. And that's a book that was written by uh, Coach Linda Blade and Barbara Kay, both of whom we've had on the show before, but we got to interview them together about their book. That's coming out soon. And we did an interview with Lily Tang Williams, who is someone you, that interview blew my mind. She basically, she was a red guard. She escaped um, Mao's cultural revolution, and she's well. She left after he was dead, but yes, right. But she lived through it, and then yep. she speaks about how she, all the similarities to what we see in the culture here in the West, in the West, in the U.S. now, and about social justice, the similarities of social justice. And so, I really recommend, highly recommend that one as well. That one's coming out soon, and that's the next one out, from what I can tell, because it's already uploaded to YouTube. We just need to publish cool. it so, at some point. So. Uh, yeah, that one's coming out next. So, um, all right. Anything else? Are we good? And our retreat's coming up in August. Oh. You can find out more info at unsafespace.com. Thank you. And go make out with the like button. How's that? All right. <laughs> it's kind of gross. I was going for gross. It worked. Carrie made a face. All right. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, Carrie. <laughs>
Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to its thinky talk. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and will be recycled as part of our sustainability program. Don't be sad. You can't make an omelette without purging all dissidents. Honestly, I am worried that you have been exposed to extremist content. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.